Hello, welcome to the CityWire Funds Fanatic podcast. Uh, my name's Gavin Lumsden and with me is Daniel Grote, my colleague, editor of uh, CityWire Funds Insider website. Dan, it feels like we haven't spoken for a long time. How are you doing? You had a holiday and uh, stock markets rallied and then stock markets crashed. Uh, you should not go away. Yeah, it does. Yeah, it does. It feels like a while, doesn't it? It's been a... Um, I mean, I was only only away from work for one week, but uh, away from this podcast uh, for a little bit longer. Um, I had a nice break, thanks. Um, did as much as you can do in a lockdown London. But yeah, back in uh, immersed in funds and market news since since I've been back. And it's been, yeah, quite, quite a well, week. Well, don't worry. I, I found other people to talk to. Yeah, it's been quite a week. I found other people to talk to in your absence, though. Like Marcus Fairmudge of TR Property came in and gave me the lowdown on commercial property outlook. Uh, that was interesting. And then William Meaden, of uh, J.P. Morgan Claverhouse was uh, you know, trying to be as buoyant and uh, cautiously optimistic as he could be about the UK dividend situation, which is, of course, is quite relevant now. I mean, in the past week, we've seen uh, markets uh, buoyed up a really good uh, US jobs data uh, a week ago today. Seems like a long time. And then uh, markets rallied a bit more. But then what, what's, what's been happening? Gloomy Fed forecasts has punctured that that sort of bubble, that rebound we've seen, hasn't it? And we're... Yeah. Um, We've lost a lot of ground uh, in the past couple of days. Yeah, I mean, it's it's worth uh, underlining sort of just the extent of the shift in sentiment in uh, in stock markets just over the last five trading days. So yeah, as you said on the on the Friday last week, stunning uh, U.S. jobs figures, you know, breathtaking, extraordinary, whatever kind of superlatives you want to you want to use for it. When you had the market expecting eight million job losses in May, and you got a number of uh, positive. 2.5 million um so uh, you know an amazing turnaround um, based on what investors have been inspecting but then you've had that checked really certainly in the last session in the us where you have the s p 500 down uh, nearly six percent uh, the market coming up a bit this morning um uh, in the uk on, on on the FTSE 100 but really that's yeah as you said it's this downbeat assessment from the fed uh, from the us federal reserve uh, i mean <sighs> not really telling us a huge amount that, that we didn't already know, but it's, it's acted as a, you know, it's poured cold water on any sort of exuberance about the recovery from the coronavirus pandemic and really sort of underlined that it's going to be, you know, it's going to be a good while yet before we get back to normal. And even in the recovery, it's going when we get back to the levels that we're at prior to this pandemic, well, we just don't know, but it's going to take a long time. And the, and the economic data is so gloomy that this morning we've been told we've learned that the UK economy shrank by 20.6 percent uh, in April, which is just beyond unprecedented. You know, previous falls, big falls, noteworthy falls of 2 percent here, 3 percent there, whatever, 20 percent. The, the economy shrank by a fifth. Um, but that's backward looking. That's two months ago now. And uh and there's still, amazingly, a bit of a debate about whether we could be having a V-shaped recovery, either a, 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 a quick drop into recession and a quick rebound. That does seem unlikely, given what the Fed was saying and keeping interest rates uh, at their near zero level, you know, next year and the year beyond that. Uh, we're, we're much more into a sort of long, drawn-out uh, recovery, um, be partly because uh, there is, you know, there's fears of uh, and signs of a second wave of uh, coronavirus infections which and the threat of yet more economic disruption so you know it's not surprising you know markets have definitely got ahead of themselves haven't they and now that bubble's been punctured you know what, what's your feeling about where we're going forward is this the beginning of a, a sort of you know really nasty leg down uh are we going to unravel all the gains that we've we've made since uh 
since mid-March? Or um, is it just going to be sort of like bubbling along, you know, more volatility as we lurch from one bit of grim news to, to the next? But, you know, probably nevertheless making some underlying progress. So, you know, are, are you bearish or uh, a little bit more like William Meaden and, um, you know, hoping for the best and seeing seeing progress in the long run? Yeah, I mean, the honest answer is, I don't know. And if I did, I, I probably wouldn't just be a, a journalist. I'd be making loads of money yeah, making those kind Very of honest, Dorian, yes, exactly. <laughs> Um, but uh, you know, it's the, the the big unknown is is uh, what happens with uh, the virus as countries come out of lockdown. And um, in terms of the market movement yesterday, I mean, it's difficult to separate out. You know, what was driven by the Fed's predictions uh, for where uh, the U.S. economy will be in the next year and in, in the next two years, and you know, really sort of underlining that it's um, employment figures despite that sort of, um, uh, you know, humongous uh, uh, move into positive territory in in May, that it's going to take a long, long time um, for uh, employment numbers to get back to the levels that they were prior to the pandemic. It's difficult to separate out what, you know, how much it was the, 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 the Fed's prognosis um, uh, for the US economy driving those market falls yesterday, and, and how much it was, you know, these sort of inklings of a possible second wave of coronavirus uh, in the US. So some kind of outbreaks, Florida, California, and that's come as the US has been easing its lockdown measures. Uh, and there's obviously, you know, a lot of pressure in terms of the economic impact of, the, of those lockdowns. There's a lot of pressure to get that done and to uh, and to get the economy back moving again. But we're dealing with a virus and we're dealing with a virus that there isn't a vaccine for. So that's the real unknown, I think. And that's that's what leads to um, this investor nervousness when we've had this massive rally, really, this huge rally from, from the March lows. You know, so you had the... Uh, the Nasdaq, the sort of tech-heavy US index, hitting all-time highs um, earlier this week. You had the S and P five hundred, the sort of the main kind of gauge of the US stock market that was wiping out its losses for the year. You know, in a year where we've had the global economy grind to a halt. Um, so, you know, the extent of that recovery means that a lot of investors will be quite happy to to take those gains while they're still there i know that's a, and, and that opens up a, a an interesting idea that actually i think tim stevenson at fidelity fund manager fidelity sort of uh, put quite well earlier in the week that um uh before it was before that the fall yesterday and, and this week but the saying that the rebound actually gave investors a chance to kind of you know take a bit of profits but kind of reposition their portfolios and their savings in a more defensive way um some of that opportunity has been gone but i think it still exists don't you that um we don't know what's going to happen next, but uh, it seems it's going to be very choppy. And so uh, uh, you'll have seen some recovery in your uh, investments and in your, in your funds and your holdings since March and April. And that now's the time to maybe, if you haven't taken action, to put yourself in a uh, in a, a more defensive footing, which raises, you know, what kind of stocks and what kind of funds and trusts should you should be holding? You know, while, we, while we're acknowledging we don't know what's going to happen next, we can. There's been some uh, interesting corporate news during the week, um, I'm thinking Unilever, the uh, Anglo-Dutch consumer goods uh, giant, maker of Hellman's mayonnaise and many other uh, products, uh, Dove soap and that sort of thing, um, two years ago got uh, investors very uh, worked up in the UK because it was talking about uh, simplifying its uh, dual uh, structure and uh, basing itself 
uh, everything in in the Holland. Um, after a long row, uh, it, it did a did a U turn on that um, and 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 said it wouldn't do it. And now this week's comeback said actually it does want to unify its structure, but it's going to be as a UK based company. So presumably, uh, big investors like Nick Train, who's a very supportive investor, long term investor in the company, is going to be pleased about that. Um, and Unilever is the kind of uh, quality growth defensive stock that uh, you know train loves to to hold in his funds and his investment trusts but uh, we've seen uh, other fund managers have been uh, getting involved uh, as well uh, as a way of uh, positioning themselves in the uh, new world after coronavirus yeah and if if you in terms of kind of statistics to sort of back up um you know why it's such a well-liked stock, such a well-liked kind of defensive, reliable company. I think it's sort of pushing on 40 years of consecutive dividend increases. So, you know, we talk about the sort of dividend heroes in investment trusts. It's it's a sort of dividend hero, certainly, you know, among the FTSE 100, uh, and particularly this year where I think you were saying sort of 48%. I've, I've just stolen that figure from you, Gavin, so apologies. But um, about half the, um, half the index cancelling uh, or cutting their dividends uh, this year, obviously, is the sort of uh, the virus has, has impacted on 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 revenues and 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 the 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 corporate news this week. I mean, it, from my reading of it, it looks like you know they're going to maintain the Dutch listing, uh, and obviously they're going to maintain the the UK listing, but becoming a UK headquartered company. But yeah, it really does it marks an, a U turn, doesn't it? Really, on what they were trying to do a few years back when it did look like the the UK listing was going to go, and a lot of opposition from it's fund manager backers in the UK, um, Nick Train of Linzel Train being being one of them. Because, you know, if you look at his uh, Linzel Train UK equity fund, the Finsbury Growth and Income Investment Trust, certainly on the fund, you know, he, he has to buy stocks in the UK. There's there's some uh, capability for him to, to buy stocks overseas, but that's limited. And, you know, he just didn't want to see one of his favourite stocks walking away from the UK and him being sort of finding it harder to to, to own that stock. Uh, I mean, Train's, you know, he's one of the, the major investors uh, in, in Unilever, but uh, I think you, you've seen you've seen some others kind of coming in over over recent weeks. Yeah, exactly. Most on the investment trust side, we've seen, uh, uh, it was quite intriguing. I spoke to James Henderson, who's the fund manager, one of the fund managers in charge of the portfolio at Lord DeBenture, which is an interesting uh, investment trust. Uh, quite a few of them are, but it is a, an exotic creature because on the one hand, it's got an, a portfolio of largely UK uh, stocks um, run by Henderson and his uh, colleague, uh, Laura Foll at uh, Yanis Henderson. And, um, but alongside that, there is a, a financial services business, a, a, a trust, pension trustees business, a whistleblowing business, which generate around a third of the income for that the that the, uh, the, the, the company gets. And so, uh, you know, it, it's an, an interesting. Uh, historically, it's been sort of uh, probably underperforming and, and, and not playing to its strengths. But in the past couple of years, under a new chief executive, it's uh, re- really a. Uh, grabbed the bull by the horns and said it wants to increase dividend payments. And uh, it, at the beginning of the year, it announced a big increase in the final dividend. And uh, this week, it came out uh, with a statement um, that it would, would, at a minimum, it wants to maintain uh, dividends for this this year. Uh, it's not the only investment trust that, that's uh, done that. Uh, J- rivals J.P. Morgan, Claver House, uh, whose fund manager I mentioned, we I spoke to uh, recently, and the City of London Investment Trust have said similar things. But Lord Debenture was was forecast 
period is going further out. It's going out for the rest of this year. And they were specifying, you know, the level of quarterly dividends they were going to make. Anyway, I had a chat with uh, James Henson. And, uh, you know, he's uh, he's a well-known contrarian value investor. You know, he's a very experienced investor, but his style, his performance has been under pressure uh, in recent years, not just on Lord Adventure, but on the other funds and investment trusts he runs like, like Lowland. Um, but he's quite excited uh, by the opportunities that the stock market falls have created. And uh, he had bought a small position, admittedly small, about uh, half percent, I think, in uh, in Unilever. But that, that, you know, that's the kind of company he's not held uh, in the past. But uh, what is interesting about the uh, corporate reorganisation that Unilever is proposing is that you know it will streamline the business and it seems that it will make it either decision making will be quicker or it might even liberate it uh, financially but people are talk analysts are talking about how it will have the capacity to uh, get involved in acquisitions um, because lots of people are seeing there's mergers and acquisitions uh, are going to be on the rise because so many companies are going to be struggling and will be weak and by uh, by the pandemic and so uh and the another fund manager that we saw was uh, Edinburgh Investment Trust, formerly run uh, by Mark Barnett of Invesco. Uh, but the board of that uh, UK equity income trust uh, at the end of last year uh, sacked uh, Invesco. And a few months later, as we know, as we've discussed, Mark Barnett uh, left Invesco. Uh, Edinburgh's had a really, really tough time um, through partly through the style of, uh, of Mark Barnett, but also through, you know, bad stock picking as well. But anyway, the new the new manager is a guy called James de Upho, I think I pronounced that right, uh, who works at uh, Majedi Asset Management. And he's totally rejigged, uh, overhauled the portfolio. And uh, one of the things that's changed is that, uh, yeah, Unilever uh, is a, a top stock with around uh, around 5% of uh, the assets so um, undoubtedly he's going to be a, he's going to be pleased about uh, what Unilever are doing because Unilever is a very solid company but it's seen as you know it's got great scope businesses and emerging markets and developed markets all around the world tapped into consumers and uh, rising wealth but it, you know, it's seen as uh, reliable but maybe a wee bit stodgy so maybe this uh, restructuring will um, enable it to be a bit more nimble and a bit more aggressive and uh, that might uh, be reflected in investor returns. I mean, it's interesting, isn't it? Because, uh, the, you know, the two managers that you've mentioned there, James De Ho, James De Ho if I've said that right, um, pro probably haven't, uh, and James Henderson, you know, they're not the sort of managers that you would maybe normally expect to be kind of flocking to uh, a stock like Unilever. I'm just, I've just got the um, uh, the list of the Unilever sort of biggest fund holders in front of me and um, Linzel Train and, and Fundsmith, obviously, we know a lot about them and we know about their sort of style, um, even load income, um, one of the most kind of successful uh, funds in a pretty unsuccessful sector. So it's a UK equity income fund, albeit it's not yielding enough to be in um, that investment association sector in the UK or companies sector, uh, but has done very well under Hugh Yarrow, a uh, young manager. Uh, and then we have, you know, Trojan income, Trojan fund, uh, so the sort of open-ended version of personal assets uh, investment trust. So it's really those kind of, um, you know, the fund managers who like kind of quality growth stocks and, you know, quality sort of defensive uh, companies, you know, and Unilever is sort of the prime example of that. And I guess maybe it's a reflection of the fact that dividends are getting hammered all across the UK stock market, that uh, anything that is sort of still paying and has that kind of reliable track record that a company like Unilever does 
you know, it's persuading managers um, who might have been more uh, keen to, uh, you know, back sort of maybe recovery situations or um, cheaper businesses, essentially, that it's worth paying up for something that's going to still pay a dividend. Because you look at Unilever, it's not, you know, it's not a high yielder, um, but where where companies on high yields are then cancelling their dividends, well, then they're not really high yields, are they? So uh, it's yielding something and it's growing that yield. And, and that's a valuable quality at the moment. Yes. I mean, actually, on that note, that's something else that James Henderson told me was that uh, you know, he's quite keen on, on you know, he's a, an equity income fund manager. Uh, the funds he runs have to deliver, uh, you know, good, uh, good income. But at, at this Lord Adventure uh, Investment Trust that he's involved with, because it's got these independent professional services businesses that are, you know, businesses that he's got nothing to do with and because they're generating good levels of income and growth in their own right that takes the bit of the pressure off him to only buy stocks that have a yield so uh, he's quite keen on holding or, or buying positions in uh, in zero yielders he calls them you know they're not companies are not paying dividends uh usually those are quite often those are smaller companies maybe that are looking forward to that could be um, growth stocks of the of the future um but actually at the moment given the dividend crisis, given that dividends are forecast to be 40% lower this year than the last year, there are many more uh, zero yielders around than there were before. And another small position, he does like to sort of have a quite diversified portfolios, but he bought into Marks and Spencers, which is a, which is a zero yielder because it's cancelled its dividends. And... Um, uh, but it's a but it's a much more of a classic sort of value stock because that uh, business has been struggling for some years and uh, lots of people have given up on it. But uh, James, for the first time, has bought uh, about half about half percent uh, in Marks and Spencers uh, and is you know ho hoping to, that he's buying it on the low and that it will, um, in his words, deliver a bit of self help, sort out its businesses, uh, improve trading, and then benefit from the UK recovery. Which you know it will come. You know, the only way is up after a twenty percent contraction in GDP. So yes, uh, that's that's his that's his view on things. And um, he's a value investor. And you've been taking a look at um, uh, at how value funds and value fund managers had been until this week had been doing better uh, recently. Well, what what did your um, analysis find? Yes, it was our, our reporter Jeremy Gordon um, spoke to a number of kind of value managers and it was really driven by the massive move we've seen sort of in, in value stocks and you can kind of trace it back to the middle of May, uh, the 15th of May, if you want to be precise. And you did really, you know, so the, the, the value stocks, which tend to be more cyclical companies, so companies um, that are much more sensitive to the fluctuations uh, of the global economy. I mean, they've been having a bad run uh, compared to growth stocks really for the last decade. Uh, and that's a trend that accelerated violently um, as stock markets plunged when economies locked down to uh, try and limit the spread of uh, coronavirus. You know, if you've got a stock that's sensitive to the global economy and the global economy grinds to a halt, well, that's that's going to fall and that's going to fall further than something that's you know, less sensitive, something something like Unilever, um, you know, the argument being that people are still going to be buying toothpaste and Marmite and Dove soap, you know, even if there's a pandemic, um, uh, they're probably going to be using less oil, for example. And yeah, you you really sort of, you, you started to see a pickup um, in these really badly beaten up 
companies, you know, since the middle of, of last month. And that was supercharged by that amazing US jobs figure at the end of last week. So uh, Jeremy sort of compiled kind of some of the figures and really, really quite striking. So, I mean, what the sta- one of the standouts was uh, 91 global special situations. So 91 is what used to be called uh, Investec. And that's run by a couple of managers called Alessandro Di Corrado, Steve Woolley. I mean, the fund's still, you know, not doing well this year, but over you know, in, the, in the time period that he was looking at, so roughly around kind of four weeks, um, uh, and he published his story to earlier in the week, that was up 35.5%. Um, so, you know, just a, a massive jump, um, albeit from very, very low levels. And that's interesting because, actually, just stop you there, uh, uh, Dan, it's just uh, those managers that uh, what's now 91, uh, used to be Investec Asset Management, um, they also run... The, uh, the Temple Bar uh, Investment Trust, which I mentioned earlier, that's where Alistair Monday used to run it uh, for, for, for nearly 20 years, I think. Uh, he left um, earlier this year, has uh, taken a leave of absence for, for, for health reasons. Um, the Investment Trust has, has performed poorly. And uh, after the news of Monday's departure, uh, the board served protective notice against uh, 91. So, you know, basically giving them they've got 12 months notice, and after that, um, Temple Bar might well switch to another group. Um, and in fact, and this, and, and so temporarily in the interim, uh, those two managers you mentioned are also looking after Temple Bar. Uh, this week, the investment trust um, came out with quite an interesting statement because people in the market had been wondering, you know, where Temple Bar would go at this point. Um, you know, would it do a big switch? Having having done so badly recently in the, with a value contrarian approach, you know, people were wondering whether they would sort of switch to a more of a growth strategy. Um, anyway, they came out with a statement saying, no, they wouldn't do that, that they were, you know, they had appointed consultants to help them in their search, uh, but they were looking for another value investor, but significantly one that could do it deliver sustainable value so um not uh, maybe uh reduce shareholder capital kind of value but actually grow it um and then perhaps hinting that it wants to go back to a proposal that it uh, the board made uh, last year which was to exclude tobacco stocks uh, shareholders don't at that trust don't seem to be quite so keen on that kind of uh, sustainable investing they'd like it to stick to um you know, value investing and, and just buy cheap stocks well. Um, so we'll see where we get to. But, you know, there is an opportunity there for um, you know value investors who think they can run sustainable policies, sustainable inv- portfolios, have until the end of this month to apply for, 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 for that job if they want it. Well, it, I mean... They're, they're, they're running that trust uh, and they've also picked up the uh, the funds that uh, um, uh, Alistair Monday was 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 running. So uh, the 91 UK Special Situations Fund and the UK Total Return Fund, uh, the Cautious Managed Fund is actually, um, they, they took it up on a very interim basis and that's moving on to, to, to other managers. But they all do share this very sort of value, con- value focused contrarian approach. And so they've all been doing really well, albeit on a very short timescale over the last four weeks. I mean, it's worth uh, mentioning, you know, we published this piece um, in the middle of the week. And then as it went out, that was just before stock markets were absolutely pummeled uh, yesterday in the UK and uh, and last night in the US. And uh, as is normally the way when there's a big fall in, in the markets, it tends to be the big cyclical stocks that, that that are driving it, and that was the, that was the same um, this week. So uh, you look at the numbers again, and they probably don't look quite as good. Um, but it's notable that this morning, you know, there's a bounce back, and it, again, it's um, 
it's those value stocks that, that are driving the market higher. Um, so last time I checked, it was um, Carnival, uh, top in the FTSE 100, uh, obviously very beaten up company um, because it's a cruise ship operator, um, obvious challenges to its business, uh, given what's happening with uh, the coronavirus. So I guess, you know, the, the argument is whether this is a, a kind of sustainable move and to what extent it depends on uh, the global economy recovering faster than uh, investors' expectations. Yes, I mean, yeah, well, we're going back to where we were saying at the beginning, we don't, we don't really know. But I've got a little bit of uh, a note here from uh, JP Morgan Casanova this week was, um, you know, commenting on this, this rotation that you're talking about from from growth to value uh, short term. But it was flagging up that, it, you know, that the, the, the value stocks had been doing well. And then those those trusts, those value plays amongst investment trusts um, cited by uh, analyst Christopher Brown included uh, AVI Global. I'm talking about the global ones here. Uh, Edinburgh Partners, EP Global Opportunities, Scottish Investment Trust. That's a very value-driven uh, uh, portfolio. And Majedi. Majedi is an investment company in its own right. It then invests in the um, funds and the uh, asset management business of Majedi. Um, hadn't been doing terribly well, which is why uh, there was surprise when uh, James Demar Upho was uh, was appointed uh, at the end of last year at Edinburgh. Anyway, uh, a value uh, global trust that uh, could do well if that rotation to value continues. Um, within the UK, Temple Bar gets a mention. It's been doing well in these very past few weeks, but um, needs to do a lot more of that uh, if it's going to... Uh, convince and, and please its shareholders um and you know there's a there's a bunch of other uh, merchants and uh, in, in asia fidelity asian values aberdeen asian income uh short schroeder oriental income your income seekers they're being flagged up as the kind of uh portfolios that haven't been doing terribly well but might do better if this rotation continues but um it is very early days i'm looking at some other data uh at yesterday's close showing the, you know looking at the discounts the which trusts have got the biggest discounts, the cheapest shares. And you know, there's a couple of prominent value investment trusts there, Polar Capital Global Financials, investing in banks and other financials around the world. Those are, those are cheap value stocks at the moment. You know, its shares are trading at a very wide for its uh, discount of 10.5% below the net asset value. So, you know, that message hasn't got through to the wider market. People aren't uh, rushing in to buy shares in Polar Capital Global Financials. Similarly, Fidelity Asian Values on an 11% discount. Um, that's really quite wide because in the past year, it's actually traded close to uh, net asset value and no discount at all. So an interesting one to watch, I think. I'm not totally convinced, but uh, I, I like the idea. And uh, the, 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 there was something... But we've had so many of these sort of value rallies, haven't we? They're kind of short spikes yeah. and, then they drift, and then they drift away, they fade away. Yeah, I mean, what's going to ultimately, uh, and we've touched on this in, in, in a previous podcast, ultimately what will um, uh, cause this rally to be more sustained and be more than just about a, you know, a, a recovery of losses and a recouping of some of the gap. Um, between value stocks and growth stocks is uh, is inflation, uh, and obviously we're not in an environment right now where it feels like it's inflationary, quite the opposite. Um, but we've we are having huge amounts of uh, both central bank and government stimulus being pumped into the economy uh, to help us out of this huge shock uh, that's been driven by uh, the pandemic. Yes, exactly. So a little bit of inflation could be good for investors and uh, in those funds and uh, and for those fund managers. But you've got to be careful what you wish for, because uh, uh, 
people have been uh, when looking at this crisis that they don't look back to the financial crisis, which at the time seems, you know, the, the, it was the end of the world. But they're actually looking back to the 90s. There's a deep recession there. Uh, and then further back to the 70s uh, when there was the oil price shock and uh, lots of labor, labor unrest and unhappy people. And inflation was very high back then. And uh, investor returns were pretty bad. So, uh, yeah, uh, a little bit of inflation. But once that cat's out of the bag, who knows where it goes? Well, Dan, uh, we've talked, we've touched on that before, and I guess we're going to be coming back to it again and again. But uh, uh, should we leave it there for now? It's uh, good to catch up with you and hear your voice, yeah, yeah. and uh, I hope you're keeping well. And um, uh, I'm actually off next week, so I think you're going to have to find somebody else uh, yeah, to, well. to, to chat to, or, um, or or we'll just uh, regroup in a couple of weeks' time. But in the meantime, um, thanks very much. Great, good to speak. 